For our special interview this Friday, we wanted to explore the career of a two-time Pulitzer-winning photojournalist. With his time at the LA Times and the Associated Press, namely, he covered, most notably, the LA riots and the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal. Maybe you've spotted him on the famous Korean TV show held by Yoo Jae-suk. We're joined by Mr. Kang Young-won this morning on the line. Good morning. Good morning. I did a little bit of social media stalking and realized you're in Toronto as we speak. Yes. <laughs> but you're continuously uploading your series, um, your pictures and your columns right here in Korea, right? Yes. For journalists, deadline is something that we cannot escape no matter where we are. <laughs> All right. That uh, paints a pretty de delicate picture of where you are right now. Just in case our listeners haven't seen your recent appearance on the Korean TV show, I wanted to talk about maybe the most talked about accomplishments in your career so far. Could you give us a picture of what it was really like covering historic moments like the 1992 LA riot and, of course, the Bill Clinton impeachment trial? So next month, April 29th, is the 30th anniversary of the 1992 LA riots. It was the most destructive riots in U.S. history until that point. Mm. And Koreans took the blunt of the hit. And Korean immigrants, uh, you know, as you know, we have the largest number of Koreans living in Los Angeles outside of Asia. Right. And, and, and our uh, immigrant community was hit really bad during the LA riots. And mainstream media, of course, was to blame for fanning the, the racial uh, problem so-called that existed between Koreans and Blacks, which basically was not true. Mm. They were just dumping the mainstream race problems on Korean immigrants mm. and, and Korean Americans were suffering. And I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles from the 70s. I knew where everything is. And, and, and of course, uh, mainstream media, uh, they didn't know where uh, Koreatown, mm. uh, you know, uh, places where the places were burning were. And not uh, only so did I, I, you had an understanding of the Korean community and you also spoke the language, which meant that you probably course. had a better access to maybe covering the story accurately? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as journalists, our skills include being able to navigate around wherever we go. And mm. I was the only one at the LA Times who could truly navigate around the Korea time, uh, the Korea town. Mm. And um, and, and so I, I presented what I saw. And for journalists, what you see is the most valuable uh, piece of news that you can report. And that's exactly what I did. I covered the, the Korea town mm. as it was being damaged and burned mm. by looters uh, uh, during the riots. Um, it it's looks and sounds like one of the most dangerous times in L.A. I didn't live through it, so I, I can't exactly recall what it was like. But based on recollections of, you know, you know, I think generations that came before me, uh, it sounded devastating. What was it like on the ground going from, you know, point A to point B, seeing these young men armed in towns that they want to protect? If you look at Ukraine this week, mm. that's how Koreans were in LA during the riots. Mm, mm. They were fighting for their existential, uh, you know, uh, uh, rights rights to protect themselves mm. from from these uh, the looters and mm. rioters, and you know, they just brought out the guns and protected themselves because cops weren't there. Mm. LAPD left Koreatown on its own. They mm. did not protect the Korean community. 
And they want to pr- they want to protect predominantly white towns first, right? From what I understand. Exactly. Yeah, they set up a barricade outside Koreatown mm. and make sure that no rioters would come across mm. those to those areas outside of Koreatown. With an anniversary approaching quickly, I think it's, it was really important for us to talk about the 92 LA riots. Um, actually, before we talk about the Bill Clinton impeachment trial you also covered, I, I want to talk about these dangerous areas where reporters actually go to rather willingly, including your coverage of the 1987 pro-democracy movement in Korea and the coverage of the LA riots. You seem to have gone to these most dangerous places on your own. Uh, what actually compelled you to go? Well, for photojournalists, we have to see what we have to uh, report. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no such thing as uh, finding out afterwards to report something mm-hmm. that we need to photograph in real time. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's a prerequisite that we get to places where things are happening. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, the news is all about hearsay mm-hmm. and secondhand information. Sure. So for us, making logistical plans to be where there might be news and where there is news are critical to what we do. Uh, In this day and age where really anyone can pick up their phones or buy a camera much more affordably and point and shoot, uh, what is photojournalism? And do you think the scope has expanded to embrace maybe more of amateur photography? Well, photography is just like grammar. Anybody can say what they want to say or what they want to express. Not all of it, all of it is history or literature. Mm-hmm. Photojournalism is area of photography where trained professional visual storyteller uh, compose pictures that are storytelling. Mm-hmm. And and when the storytelling a picture has a, a unforgettable moment, that it, readers will walk away. Uh, with an with an impression that they can never get rid of, mm. and that's the, that's that's the impact of photojournalism, where where people can get uh, information, lots of information about what's going on in single photograph, and that stays with them forever. Mm. At the risk of sounding cliche, a picture is usually worth a thousand words, maybe even more if you're in the front line of covering the LA riots or a democracy movement, as you've said. Exactly. I mean, pictures have stopped wars. Mm. Pictures have changed public perception about what's going on. Mm. Um, And pictures, of course, other times um, reinforce stereotypes. Mm. And other times it it changes the stereotypes that people have. Mm. So those are the potential, the impact that the photojournalism can have in a situation. And and a trained photographer, just like a well-versed writer, needs to know the the language of photography to know how not to exaggerate mm-hmm. how also to see through the facade and and, and capture the truthful moment mm-hmm. in every situation so would that imply that it takes an extensive amount of research and connection to information before you go out there to shoot right that's a pretty vital it, part of photojournalism exactly 90 percent of photojournalism is all about logistics including research knowing the story, what to expect, mm. to and, and, and somewhat anticipate what the news is going to be on that day. Mm. But then some, for some aspiring photojournalists out there, what are some then make or break qualities in a great photojournalist like yourself? Um, well, first of all, uh, photojournalists need to have curiosity. Mm. You have to want to learn about everything around you. and Because the devil's always in the details. Mm. Photojournalist's job is to not to miss any details anywhere 
on any story. So learning to pay attention to details, learning to make sure that each photograph is clearly uh, full of messages instead of jumbled uh, visual uh, noise that where a reader has to navigate through to find something. Mm. No, those are not usable pictures. Mm. So to, to be trained in photojournalism is to have a clarity of a, of, of a vision, mm. how to see things visually and learning to replicate that with the photograph, with the, with the camera. Mm. It sounds absolutely complex, just the art of photojournalism, right? Uh, an extensive amount of research sounds already pretty stressful. <laughs> well, I've been at it for 40 years and I'm still learning. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm telling you that I've never been a better photographer because I'm better today than yesterday. We learn from every day mm. through our mistakes and through our experiences. So it's a continuous growth experience, even for 40 yes. years. Uh, because we alluded to it, I do want to take our listeners back to the Bill Clinton impeachment trial. Though There's even a Netflix show that tells uh, Monica Lewinsky's story. Um, it seems to be a relevant topic today, uh, e- even after all these years. What was it like in the forefront of covering that trial? Well, in Washington, um, perception is reality. Mm. So how politicians uh, make the story appeared to be what it is, mm. is, is something that, that they are masters at. Mm. And for journalists, for us, we need to navigate that through and try to show images that are historic, that are meaningful, and that are storytelling. Mm. And, and, you know, when Kenneth Starr, the prosecutor, was testifying um, during a House hearing for like 11 hours, I was in the next next room mm. filing those pictures in real time, mm. trying to capture moments that will live in, in history, you know, in, in the historical context forever. So uh, you got to have uh, the perspective that, that not only just shows what it seems, but that shows what the real story is, mm. you know, the, the, the human aspect of everybody involved, the, the, the agony that they go through, the uh, the difficulties that everybody's confronted with dealing with this, and those are all embedded in body languages of people. Sure. And, and photography in Washington D.C. is a lot about exploring the body languages, mm-hmm. the moments um, that can be iconic someday. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 the politicians are the nicest people in in America because that's their job to be nice to get votes. <laughs> so you have to see through the niceness to see how tough that they are, how mean that they are, mm. and, and sometimes how wrong that they are, mm. you know, and sometimes you got to be, you can show that through a picture, because mm. pictures don't lie when you are paying attention to actual moments. And sometimes it, it takes hindsight for us to go back and revisit those same pictures and maybe pick up on details that weren't so evident all those years ago, because I do remember the Clinton-Lewinsky trial, and it clearly seemed to paint, uh, generally speaking, who is the villain of the story? It was overwhelmingly Lewinsky back then, right? Well, that's how mm. the, uh, the er- entertainment aspect of, mm. of the media mm. uh, took the story to. Mm. And, 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 and those pitfalls are part of the journalism. Mm. You know, when American journalism is, uh, is gained, like the previous president, mm. uh, the, the journalists themselves become victim of that trap. Mm. And, and because the, the commercial um, uh, 
aspect of the of, of the television journalism is that they have to do everything to make sure that the that the watchers that the viewers do not change channels mm. and for them sometimes it takes unfair uh, practices for people to stay on the subject even if that subject is is telling the lie mm. you know and so for still photographers for us we have to, you know, we, we don't have the luxury of showing everything. We have to just show in one picture, one moment sometimes, mm. what the story is. Mm. And that picture has to stand up to the test of time and history mm. to say that that was the truthful moment on that day, not the facade that the television media have presented on that day. Uh, Mr. King, I can't imagine a more appropriate time to have this conversation than now. We have an important presidential election coming up right here in South Korea. I think it's important for our listeners to remember there is a lot to that photograph. You talked about facade that is part of Washington, D.C. I'm sure it's evident in any political circles around the world. Yes. Korean politics Mm. is is the reflection of the Yangban culture. Sure. The Yangban culture, when you go to uh, those uh, mask dance, Hawe Tal, the Yangban has two sides to his face. Mm. You know, one side that he wants to show, mm. depending on the audience, mm. and and the Korean politics is part of that. So, the you know the voters, the general public, they need to see through that, mm. see through what the Yangban culture are trying to present. Mm. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, I do have to talk about your latest project, Visual History of Korea. There, okay, first and foremost, beautiful photographs. I saw the one of the Hallabong that you caught on Jeju Island, juxtaposed yes. against snowfall. That's for one beautiful, but you provide all this context as to what what a Hallabong would mean for Jeju Island uh, farmers, for example. And it's just, it just seems like a beautiful project. I do wonder, could you introduce this project for our listeners and why you decided to take part in it? Well, the English language that we're speaking right now mm. is the dominant language of the world, and it is the uh, information and knowledge language of the world. Mm. Unfortunately, that English language does not have enough information about Korean history and culture and its civilization. Mm. And uh, having grown up in the U.S. And, and having worked in the mainstream media for 33 years, I can tell you that so many in English language um, culture uh, lack uh, basic information about Korean culture and history. Mm. And I, of course, was raising children and, and, and working in the U.S., so I couldn't come and report on Korea. But the first opportunity I got when I retired from Reuters is, is to put together what I had been researching all along. Mm. And I just wanted to present the first impression of Korean culture and civilization to the English-speaking world through my pictures be- giving the first impression about mm. each of those topics. And, and for me, having kids who are, who are born in the U.S. and knowing so many Korean-Americans who are looking for contents to be proud of about their ancestral land, mm. I just wanted to leave something uh, you know, as a legacy of my life to, to leave a record of this documentation of Korean culture and history and civilization mm. that was still present in the 21st century. Mm. 
Mm. And I think for future generations. I think that's a beautiful project because I also grew up in California. And while I was growing up, although I did have exposure to Korean books and Korean historical context, it was difficult for me to find the equivalent in the English language to maybe better explain to my friends who weren't of a Korean family. Um, I do want to ask you, I know your primary love in your career has been photojournalism, but do you ever see yourself delving into other forms of media art, such as videos? Well, in 21st century, uh, working photojournalists have to have uh, fundamental skills to do video, Mm. uh, uh, still pictures, and text. We have to be a multimedia journalist. That's (laughs) the only way we are marketable. So I do all of that, but uh, but at the end of the day, when people watch a two-hour movie or a film, they walk away with a single moment from that movie. Mm. That's a still image. Yeah. So to be able to summarize what we experience in life in a single image is the most challenging job of, of all of the visual media. And that is my training, and, and so that is the basis. And when you combine several moments of those single images, it becomes uh, video footage. And, and so as needed, I do all of that. Uh, Mr. Kang, where can some of our listeners uh, keep in touch with you and keep up with your visual history of Korea project? Well, the Random House Korea mm. will publish the first volume of the visual history of Korea, a coffee table book by this summer. Ah. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> and you can keep up with what I do at kang.org, which is kang.org website, Mm. where I have a summary of of my project there. Mm. And my plan is to document as much as I can can of South Korea. Mm. I'm going to do the North Korea next after that. Uh, you have an extensive line. There are plenty of history and culture in north on the north north side of the of the peninsula that we haven't been able to see. Mm. All right, a lot of projects to look forward to, and I'm a big fan of coffee table books. So I'll be on the lookout for it as well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Likewise. <laughs> If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.